1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 341 of the Battery Power Podcast. It's a bit of an emergency podcast today, uh, and back with you for the first time in maybe 36 hours uh, is Eric Cole. I am Scott Coleman. Eric, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well, man. Long time no see. I'm pretty excited to have main host Scott Coleman carrying the reins on the, this emergency pod.
1: This is my second time hosting a podcast, of course. I co-host with Eric and Brad. I've done it many times, and shout-out to Sean, who's doing a great job with the Daily Hammer. Uh, But we'll see how this goes today. We're getting together. Eddie Rosario, King Eddie, playoff hero Eddie Rosario, is back with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Just a few moments ago, the team announced a two-year deal, $18 million for Eddie Rosario, a club option for 2024. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on the move and, and what this means for the team?
2: Well, it was pretty clear that they needed to make a, a move for at least one more outfielder. Um, the, the guy who probably had the best chance to start in center uh, was Christian Pache, who obviously was included in the Matt Olsen deal. And after that, you have Adam Duvall, Ronnie when he comes back. And, well, after that, it was getting a little bit dicey going into, coming into camp. So they obviously had to make at least one move. They may need to add another one, but they could, you know – I could see them trying to get away with it for maybe a month, month and a half or so to make what they have work at the moment, but they had to make a move for one outfielder. It was really interesting that, uh, Mark Bowman said yesterday that they think that the lefty, he thought that a lefty outfield bat was probably the bigger priority over a guy of maybe so, like Soler. Um, that doesn't necessarily preclude like them possibly making a move to get Soler if they really wanted to, to bring him back too, but, once it said left lefty bat, then it came down to Jock Peterson for me. And again, that's a guy who can play center field and like a guy who probably isn't going to be crazy expensive. But then you know Eddie Rosario is right there as a lefty bat postseason hero, uh, single handedly demolished the Dodgers. Yeah, you you don't have to look hard for uh, postseason highlights of Eddie Rosario last year. Uh, just seemed like every hit that he had was like really important to multiple game winning hits. Uh, performed well after the trade deadline too. Once he got back from that injury, he performed well he's not a guy that has to carry the offense, but he does see strike up me as a guy that he will have stretches where he's just, you know, again, kind of like who was in the postseason, just absolutely wild. And uh, similar to Ozzy in that regard, he'll just go wild for a while and, you know, really be able to like, you know, if the rest of your offense isn't clicking, it doesn't really matter because he's going nuts. So I like the move a lot. I mean, it's a two year deal, not for a lot of money. Um, You know, maybe you thought that maybe one thinks that Eddie wasn't going to get quite that much on the free agent market, but You'll probably get a good bit of that back just from pure, like, marketing stuff on the Brave side concerning what he did in the postseason. There's a club option on it, so there's if he does outperform or at least perform to expectations, then you can keep him around for an extra year. I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to be upset at a deal like this when it's just not for a lot of money, yeah. and it's for a guy who we've seen give real production.
1: Yeah, and $9 million, you're right. I mean, I think there's some real upside here. Um, as good as Eddie was in the NLCS, I don't think you can really expect him to be Babe Ruth 2.0 for an entire season. Uh, but, but this is a guy who has been a really solid big league hitter for a long time. He, of course, came up with the Twins, um, a significantly above average hitter during his time in Minnesota, um, a guy who hits for power. He gets on base at a decent clip. Um, and one thing I really like about Eddie, in addition to the left handedness, which I think is important for this lineup with all the right handed thump, uh, Rosario is a pretty versatile guy where you can put him in the lineup like he led off in the playoffs. But I also think if you want to drop him down a little bit to fifth or sixth or seventh, uh, you can put him there. So I think this lineup really as a whole has a lot of mixing and matching that you can do similar with Ozzy Albies. You can move him around a little bit. We'll see how Brian Snitker wants to utilize Matt Olson um, with his mix of power and on-base. And then, of course, what Rosario also provides is just some cover in the outfield because I think that's something we should probably touch on a little bit here. And you noted Adam Duvall and maybe Marcel Ozuna, uh, depending on how the team feels about him defensively. But other than that, until Ronald gets back, um, you know, it, it, it was pretty bare out in the outfield. And I think for the, the amount of dollars you're giving Rosario here, it's not a big deal. It's not a long deal. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to like. And as you said, I think there was, he was an important player to bring back from that World Series run just a few months ago, uh, given just how well he seemed to perform in Atlanta.
2: Well, yeah. And it's important to note, too, that let's assume that Eddie doesn't just go wild, right? Like, cause if he goes wild, then all of a sudden he's just your everyday left fielder. But, If he doesn't go wild, he's just only okay. And there is like the platoon split issues, which are kind of noted. Like, that's one of the reasons the Braves brought him in in the first place is that he could platoon with Adam Duvall so that against righties, he can do his thing, and against lefties, then Adam Duvall can do his thing. They can go back to that if they need to, especially if they have outfielders. Like if, if Michael Harris goes wild in the minor leagues, if Drew Waters has a resurgence and comes back, that's a guy that's already on the 40 man roster. You know, if they want, if they need to be able to change his role on the team for a nine million dollar, you don't feel like you're like spending 20 million dollars on a guy who's a platoon guy and you feel like you have to play him every day. If he turns out where he's just not as awesome, I mean, he's not going to be as awesome as he was in the postseason. That's just not possible, but if he is you know just only okay and maybe he struggles against lefties or whatever you can turn him back into a platoon option and all of a sudden you have a lot of depth and you know if you really need to you know play m- like make swaps in against left righty relievers or anything like that you can make those changes yeah. too so it's just he he provides a lot of roster flexibility and lineup flexibility as you noted
1: He does and I think that's another I think what's going to make this Braves lineup so strong next season is You're absolutely right. If you're facing a tough righty, maybe you move Rosario up. Maybe he bats, I I don't know, leadoff, second, um, cleanup. I mean, there's there's so many ways. If you really look at the lineup, it's kind of like a puzzle. Uh, If it's against a good righty, you know know you're going to face Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer in a series with the Mets. Maybe you move Eddie Rosario up. If if you're going to face a good lefty, and frankly, there are very few good left-handed pitchers right now, especially in the National League. Um, yep. The the ones that are good are mostly in the National League West who the Braves just don't see a whole bunch. Um, if you are facing a tough lefty, you can drop Eddie down. I mean, if Eddie Rosario is your eighth or ninth place hitter that night, you can do a lot worse. I mean, that that's that's pretty impressive. And as you noted, we'll see what comes next, and we'll talk about that in a little bit um, with with the rest of this roster. But at $9 million, I think there's some flexibility here to use Alex's favorite term. Uh, there's some flexibility you're not locking yourself into a four-year deal here. Um, I do think this probably excludes them from signing someone like a Michael Conforto or a Chris Bryant, a Nick Castellanos type. Uh, but I do think it leaves some doors open if they feel like they can get another good deal here.
2: Well, yeah, and this is really going to test things a little bit, right, because uh, our uh, DOB uh, pretty famously noted a couple days ago that the Braves have said, he got a brave source that said that the Braves have about $15 million left to spend. And they spent 5 million of that yesterday in signing Colin Hugh. And then they've spent $9 million today. So one of things, one of two things is true either that report from DOB is just not true. I'm not saying he, like I'm sure someone told him that, right? I'm sure that happened, but, or, and again, we've already heard, you know, what the, Braves are wanting to do elsewhere in the roster that we could see the Braves maybe going above that number a good bit and we could see them really investing in this roster. And that's been I mean, all indications are right now is that the Braves are among the most active teams filling out their rosters right now. And it's pretty fun to watch.
1: It is I for the uh, I don't want to say it was a letdown going into the lockout, but right, there was not a ton of action for the Braves. And maybe that was partly because they agreed to, deals with Charlie Morton and Travis Darno during the season I think that was overlooked a little bit because they happened in September Um, Manny Pena and Kirby Yates again two solid depth guys but I don't think anyone was running around the you know the living room whenever the Manny Pena tweet came across as as valuable as I think Manny could be for this team this year Um, you're right it's been a really fun last couple days and we're finally starting to see some uh, some some movement on the free agent market and the trade market. There was a ton of things happening this morning. Um, most notably, uh, Freddie Freeman is still not signed, and it is uh, oh. the afternoon of of March 16th as you and I record this. Um, and speaking of Freddie Freeman, uh, if you are listening to this podcast but did not listen to Eric and I discuss the Matt Olson trade uh, and presumably the end of the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta. Be sure to go back and listen to that one. Uh, what day was that, Eric? Was that Monday? The days are all blending together here. Yeah,
2: it, it, <laughs> it was uh, the we recorded Monday, then we, we posted it, then the extension happened yesterday. Yes, and then to, yep, extension, then column and Q were both yesterday, and then today. Yep, okay, we're we're all caught up. So you're right. Uh, the the sleep has been minimal, and it's, <laughs> the days <laughs> of the, has been blending together for sure.
1: It's been a whirlwind of 48 hours for the Braves. Even Alex Anthopoulos noted in his press conference yesterday with Matt Olson that he didn't sleep a whole lot on Monday night or going into Tuesday, and I'm sure everyone's a little exhausted. But um, as I said, if, if you didn't check out that podcast with Eric and I on Monday or uh, the Daily Hammer with, with uh, Brad and Sean that was recorded yesterday, be sure to check those out. A lot of good stuff talking about Colin McHugh, just the overall long-term impact of the Matt Olson extension. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go to a quick break, and once we come back, we're going to talk about what this means for the Braves going forward and what's left to do.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: All right, everyone, we're back. Uh, Eric, in the last couple of days, of course, Matt Olson, Eddie Rosario, Colin McHugh. In your opinion, opening day is about three weeks and a day away. What's left for this team to do?
2: I would like for them to get some sort of maybe like serviceable backup outfielder that you wouldn't mind starting for a month. Um, the ideal situation is that they get Jorge Soler. The extra ideal situation is that they somehow get out from under Marcelo Azuna's money, and then they get Soler and actually get someone good. But I'm not going to like be greedy here and just say that they like probably could use another outfielder, just because I just don't think that like Guillermo Heredia is a guy you want to run out there every day. That that managing that first that that period of time before Ronald comes back is going to be important. You really don't want to punt those games. And while I think that the the lineup looks good. Right now, I think that kind of managing that will be important, and maybe they think that they can you know let Drew Waters have a shot at it for a while. Um, if we're getting extra spicy, maybe they think that Michael Harris is already ready, even though he hasn't played above the IA, you know something like that i I do think that they could use another outfielder, like just a veteran type that you can put in there. you can put him at the bottom of the lineup and it just will get you through until Ronnie comes back. Um, I could see them getting another starter, however. It is fair to say that the free agent starting market is really, really bad. Um, you know, when you're, the best options you're looking at are Zach Granke and it's uh, the, the shadow of Zach Greinke at that, you know, especially since pitchers aren't hitting anymore. Uh, that doesn't seem super desirable to me. So maybe you just give the young guys a chance to solidify themselves. I don't, I would personally not feel bad about a rotation that has Max Free, Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson and then, you know, some of, Two of uh, Tucker Davidson, Waskar Kyle Muller, Kyle Wright, you know, just giving those guys a shot because I have about as much confidence in those guys as I do what's left on the free agent market. Maybe they can make a trade for somebody, but again, we're kind of getting into how much they really have left to, to trade away at this point because they had, they gave up so much in the Olsen deal. So, but those are the kind of moves I made, but these are, but they're relatively minor ones. It's about riding up the bench and kind of getting through that first month of the season for me.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. On the topic of starting pitching, which I think it's just the natural transition for folks to wonder about now, I I agree completely. I mean, if you look at a list of free agent starting pitchers, I was tweeting about this last night a little bit, like it's Zach Grinke who was going like max effort to hit 88 in the playoffs last year. I I just don't think Zach Grinke is a real option. Maybe they bring him in as a veteran-type guy. Um, You know, Michael Pineda, was okay on the surface last year, though his underlying metrics were horrible. Um, you know, Danny Duffy has historically been pretty good, although he has some injury problems and won't be available until the summer. Um, I, I agree completely with what you said. I think all things equal, I would rather save a handful of dollars here and, and keep them and as a potential in-season move if, if need be, and then roll with the Kyle Wright. I mean, Kyle Wright is going to be my breakout pick for like the fifth year in a row, which is going to be fun uh keep 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 dreaming Scott I believe in you one day baby one day postseason hero Kyle Wright uh but we saw last year again Waskari Noah he had a bit of an up and down 2021 we'll see what he can do and and then we got a a brief glimpse of guys like Tucker Davidson and Kyle Muller all of those names you just noted um to see and again as as we know well you if you feel good about your rotation at the beginning of the year generally you're going to need at least six or seven or eight guys you can feel comfortable handing the ball to because of injuries. It is such a long year, um, and depth is enviable. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, but um I, I think we are in agreement here that if, unless there's a trade, and I, I know people have said, well, you could trade for someone. um, Eric, I don't have to tell you, if the Braves swing another significant trade, that farm system, as good as the big league team is going to be, the farm system is going to be down to the studs. That
2: that, that would be a fair assessment. Um, I do think that there's some real talent in the Braves farm system, but I don't think other than like Michael Harris, for example, right? Like I firmly believe the Braves don't have any interest in trading him now because they they do need to have outfield prospects, uh, at least a couple of them. But when you're talking about like there's, there's some pitchers, if they, you know, I think Spencer Swobodz a really t- talented guy. I think they drafted some nice guys last year, and, and there's some guys like Bryce Elder. There's, you know, Spencer Strider. There, there is value down there, but I think that the, at some point you need to like at least some of that sort itself out after what has been a very tumultuous, tumultuous turnover in the minor league system. But what, guys getting other opportunities now. You wonder what's what, what's William Contreras going to look like, and then you know because you need a catcher, and you know based on what we saw from. From Darno's bat and you know all that last year, you know is he even going to be close to the same guy? How much longer can you realistically line up with him? There's guys who have been around for a while, and you, maybe you can trade from that sort of depth. Guys who aren't maybe aren't technically prospects anymore, but how much are you really getting back for that? I mean, it's it, it's a trade unless it's a minor one. And again, like they have guys in the teams that I think teams would be useful would be interested in, but what are you really getting back for those players? I I, I think they're just probably better served just to let some of these young pitching prospects have a shot at it. And yeah. you know, yeah. that 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 this might be where the best value is. Uh especially if, you know, like they're kind of getting up to it where, you know, like again, they can't really go to the free agent market for starters. So maybe it's just best to let the young guys strive for it, and then you can use your whatever money you have left or even trade capital to address the needs elsewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah I would agree with you. Um, and then as far as the rest of the roster goes, um, Eric, what were your thoughts on Colin McHugh's deal yesterday? Of course, you and I were not on the podcast yesterday uh, that Brad and Sean did, but Colin McHugh, if you missed that podcast, be sure to go back and listen to it. He is someone who uh, – if you look at his underlying metrics, he has a crazy profile. He's kind of the opposite of your modern-day reliever. He doesn't throw hard like his fastball sits at 90, but he had some crazy strikeout-to-walk numbers last year. He's been one of the better relievers in the game the last few seasons. And if you're looking for an added bonus, he even had some experience with the Tampa Bay Rays as an opener, uh, throwing a couple innings at the start of the game, in addition to then serving as a late-inning option.
2: So overall, I, I really like it. He's kind of, in some respects a junk baller, right? Like, you know, like the, the, the throwing low 90s and just – but the, the spin rates are real. He got, again, really good whiff rates. Everything else other than the velocity he graded out great. And anyone who's gotten work with the Tampa Bay's Tampa – Ray, Tampa Ray's, you know, development and, you know, analytics department is someone that's going to get my attention. Because if they can really harness what they have and do what the he did, then I think that they can be really productive players. And this is a guy that's not that far removed from being one of the better pitchers in baseball. Period. So it's it was an interesting move. It's definitely one of those moves that I think to maximize his value, maybe not having Brian Snicker as your manager, because <laughs> uh, I don't ever see him doing like an like much of an opener type thing. Uh, but then again, you know. They sort of did that with Drew Smiley at times. Um, yeah, our 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 intrepid leader Chris Willis actually mentioned that in the chat last night. It's that you know like maybe you let him see a lineup once, and then yeah. then yeah. you and then you move on, and maybe and again they did do that with Smiley at times. So maybe that makes sense to do, and maybe that's something that's how they employ him. But I think what ends up happening is he's just a righty reliever arm and a really really good one, and then all of a sudden. You have Luke Jackson and Mark, Colin McHugh from the right side, and then left side. We don't have to tell anyone who follows the Braves for any appreciable amount of time what they have coming from the left-handed side of, in terms of the bullpen. So, I again, I really liked the move. It's, it's such a cheap move, too. That's the thing about that. Is like, yeah. It's not like they're paying – they're not paying Colin McHugh, Will Smith money. They're paying him $5 million next year. And yeah. if you're getting that kind of value – and plus you have Kirby Yates coming back. The bullpen, I think, is going to be a real strength for this team. He only bolsters that. Uh it makes it a lot easier to deal with right-handed hitters. You know, I'm overall very, very happy. You know, it kind of gives Luke Jackson a break from you know having to face the toughest right the the toughest righties in any given lineup. You can put McHugh in there too. You feel like you can have some confidence in that. Like the move, it again, you get a bit of team control, which is good, but they're not committing long term dollars or anything like that. It's yeah. just a really solid move.
1: It is, and it brings depth, and that's something we all know how volatile bullpen's can be. Seems like whenever you feel good about your bullpen, it has a bad year, and whenever you don't feel great about the bullpen, it, it somehow has a good year. Um, let's hope. I mean, I I feel really good about the bullpen. I think you do too. Um, and there is some some genuine depth here. I mean, you talk about, as yep. you just noted, the night shift that that quad of pitchers. You add Colin McHugh, Hopefully, Kirby Yates, who. It seems like a lifetime ago, but to refresh everyone, Kirby Yates was, like, genuinely one of the best relievers in baseball just a couple of seasons ago with San Diego. Like, he had, historically, one of the greatest closer years ever in terms of war. He was genuinely unhittable. And you talk about maybe adding in him, I don't know, June, July. Maybe he isn't quite as good as he was back then, but this bullpen has... Some very legitimate arms, and um, as we've said, I mean, you can never have enough good relief pitchers. It's a six-month season. It's easy to remember that, as good as uh, Matzick and Minter were in the playoffs last year, there was a point when both of them were really struggling during the regular season, right? Like Minter got sent down to Gwinnett, uh, Matzick, yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> right? Yeah, who can our our uh, our calm and collected ninth inning closer, Will Smith? Um you know, other than other than Luke Jackson, there was really not a ton of consistency with the bullpen last year, and then of course the playoffs came around and they became unhittable for a month. Um so I, I like the Colin McHugh deal a lot. I wanted to make sure you and I had a chance to talk about him a little bit uh, on this podcast. Um Eric, any final thoughts on on this roster as a whole? I think I think it's really rounding out well, especially compared to maybe forty-eight hours ago where there was so much uncertainty. Um, we, we've talked about maybe adding a starter. I think the bullpen is probably set um, and, and maybe another outfielder. We'll see. I, I'm curious to hear if we uh, if we hear from Anthopolis today if he talks like Rosario is the only move or if maybe there's something else coming here. Uh, but any final thoughts on the roster as it stands today?
2: Again, the, the only place that the, ha, there is a, a still a question is in the outfield, but the Rosario signing helps a lot. I was just doing the math in my head. This is kind of a little off topic from the big news of the day. When Yates comes back, I think I did the math correctly and that there's the Braves have seven guys that I wouldn't be like super upset that they put in a like a high leverage situation. Uh, there's hmm. certainly guys I have more confidence than others, but if you kind of do the math on it, I mean, It's you know Luke Jackson again. He's probably the lowest the lowest confidence, but he's better than people give him credit for. Then you have Kirby Yates again, assuming he gets back healthy. Now you have Colin McHugh, then Minter, Matzik, Smith. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody now. Maybe Uh, it was just
1: six. Minter, did you mention Minter?
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, but whether it's six to seven guys, we'll just yeah. that. that. I'm just going to go ahead and just hedge the fact that I might have forgotten a name that's important. But regardless, if you have that many guys that you feel good about, I mean, one of those guys is not going to pan out this year. I'll go ahead and just put that out there into the world, is that there's one of those guys is going to have a bad year. It's just what happens with bullpen arms. And maybe Yates does not come back healthy. Maybe that's where the, the, the wrinkle in that is. But the Braves have some real depth there. They're set at multiple positions, particularly around the infield now. I mean, this lineup has six, seven guys that might hit 30 home runs next year, and they have, there's a lot of different tools in the lineup. Uh, you know, I know the meme is that Eddie Rosario is one of the fastest guys in Major League Baseball, uh, but they have some guys who are really aggressive on the base paths, particularly Rosario, Ozzy, Ronnie, Dansby. This is a team that can do a lot of things really, really well. If they can kind of just make sure they can get solidify the, and you know codify what the outfield situation is, and hopefully Marcelo Zuna, you know, as much as I would prefer him not be on the team, that he can get back into form two. This could be a really, really special Braves team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they haven't updated as of yet, but I was looking at the projected roster or projected standings from fan graphs and uh, baseball reference, and I believe um, as of last night, the Braves were projected the second most wins in baseball. They had the Braves at 92. I believe they were tied with the Blue Jays and the Yankees, maybe the Mets as well. Uh, the Dodgers are projected the most at 94, and they seem like a team that will add more here. And, again, it's just projections, right? It's just fun stuff for you and I and fans to look at. But um, as you yep. noted, this, this team on paper looks – it, there's really no weakness that i see i think it's well rounded i think there's depth i think the lineup could be uh, i think it's going to be one of the best in the game um defensively it should be pretty good especially once they get ronald back in the outfield um and as we as we've talked about on this podcast i think the starting rotation is the one area where i think there's some real question um after the big 3 um, but most teams, very few teams, are going to go into the season with five, like, absolutely locked in starting pitchers who they just pencil in for 150 innings, right? Like, that's... Yeah, that, that just
2: doesn't happen. There's, very, I mean, like, the Dodgers and maybe, like... The Mets with
1: their, yeah, their half-billion-dollar rotation,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the investments in the offensive side, a little less, a little less good, but they definitely spent some money to make that rotation reasonable.
1: They have. So... Um, And then, you know, there's still more action to to be had. I mean, just we mentioned this morning, a lot of moves. Kyle Schwarber signed a four-year deal with the Phillies. Um, Seiya Suzuki signed a five-year deal with the Cubs for $85 million. Um, The Blue Jays are making moves. I mean, everyone's making moves, right? I mean, even the Washington Nationals, who seemingly have – no real chance of competing this year i
2: still don't understand that but. <laughs> sign
1: yeah right sign nelson Cruz. like it's it's teams seem to be spending money a little bit old friend shane green has just announced a minor league deal with the dodgers like there's there's stuff happening and there's still some big name free agents out there carlos correa old friend freddie freeman chris bryant like it's it's a fun time for baseball fans and as of recording this, we're about to, uh, 48 hours away from the first spring training game of the year for the Braves. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of good stuff to talk about. Eric, my friend, before we get out of here, did you have any final thoughts on today?
2: Uh, it's just been a, a wild 48 to 72 hours. Uh, I just want to take a second to thank everyone for supporting the podcast as much as they have in the last few days. Uh, I think that we, I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of Braves fans who've been laying in wait for actual baseball stuff to start happening. And you guys have really been showing your support and downloading the podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of this podcast, all you have to do is search battery power on whatever podcast purveyor you prefer, Uh Spotify, Google, iTunes, whatever one you use, it is highly likely that you're on it. If we are on it, if we are not, Make sure we know that and make sure you send those tweets to Brad Roland at BT Roland and we'll get that sorted out. Uh, we'll be, we we'll list on there. And again, you can find our previous archive, archive episodes on there and you can make sure that if you subscribe, you won't miss a single episode. You'll get this podcast, which is most of the time hosted by the great Brad Roland. He is out of town and very, very busy at the moment, uh, dealing with hawk stuff. But you can, get, you'll get this episode, which is mostly ho- hosted by him and co-hosted by either Scott or I most of the time. Then you also get the Road to Atlanta podcast, which is a minor league podcast that I host on a regular basis. And then the Daily Hammer hosted by Sean Coleman, who's been doing a great job. That's kind of like your daily updates type podcast. Uh, this was a little bit different. Uh, Scott and I had free time and we really wanted to get this out there, but generally speaking for that day to day, quick, quick hits on the news type stuff you, that, Scott, Sean's your man on that Daily Hammer podcast. You get everything that you want, and again, completely free. It's hard hard to beat that.
1: It is. Thank you, Eric, as always. I appreciate it. That's Eric Cole. I'm Scott Coleman. Take care, everyone.